Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Praise God, what a wonderful time of worship we have had. And uh, I just want to thank God every time his anointing comes, there is healing, there is miracles, there is deliverance, there is a joy of God that comes into our heart. Last week, I want to thank God. So many people got back saying that God had ministered in such a tremendous way to them uh, from the message faith under fire. When the enemy throws his fiery darts at you, you know, many times we feel like our faith is under fire and like how, uh, how, like firemen, how we can fight every fire that comes into our life. We don't have to take it, uh, you know, lie, down lying. We don't have to live in fear, but we can be overcomers because of the anointing of God upon our life. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to continue on faith under fire, but this is from another aspect. Not necessarily the fiery darts of the devil. Every fire that comes your way is not necessarily from the devil. Now, there are tests that can come into our life because of what God allows us to go through in our faith. We never really know the authenticity of our faith until our faith has been tested. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful friend who can find the Bible says, Many times our confession, our worship, our singing, our faith, our proclamations have all kinds of lofty themes in them. But in the midst of all of that, God wants to test our faith. You know, when a test comes into our life, testing is not necessarily for God to see where we stand. Tests oftentimes when they come into our life is not for the teacher to see where a student stands because oftentimes when a teacher teaches the students the teacher knows broadly how much the student is understood or where they stand tests are often for the student to see where they really stand in their knowledge in the same way when our faith is tested that test comes in our life many times for us to see where we stand truly in our faith james chapter 1 verse 2 to 4 says count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy. What is the Bible saying? The Bible is saying when trials come your way, when problems come your way, count Every single trial, a joyful opportunity, which means God is saying, when you go through a trial, when you go through a problem, God is saying, can you rejoice that God is now allowing you to go through a test? Last week, it was a devil throwing fiery darts. This week, I'm talking about the tests that come from God. When God allows us to go through, through a test, the Bible says, count it pure joy, my brethren. Which means it's an amazing experience to be able to walk with God and go through the testing of our faith. Why? Because this produces steadfastness. It produces a steadfastness to such an extent that you become a steadfast person. So we've all had tests in our life. We've all gone through ups and downs almost in every sphere. Some of you have gone through emotional tests. Some of you have gone through tests, difficulties in your marriage. 
Some of you have gone through tests in your finances, in your uh, in your all kinds of different tests or tests in your ego to humble down and, and forgive somebody. That test of forgiving somebody that is hard to forgive or honoring somebody that is hard to honor. You and I, we've all gone through different tests. When you look in the Bible, all the great men and women of God, every one of them have gone through major tests in all their lives. You look at Moses and Abraham and David and, and Daniel and Joseph and and even in the New Testament, Peter and Paul and all of them, every one of them had a test in their life. If you look through Hebrews in chapter 11, the Hall of Faith, faith, we see that every single person that made it to the Hall of Faith was because they all went through different tests in their life. If it had not been for the tests, they would never really have come forth. You know, the Bible says, when I am tested, I shall come forth as gold. You know, we are tested. Gold is tested in the fire. Silver is tested. It is purified in the fire. Fire begins to test the things that we go through, the confessions that we go through. Now, we don't like tests. I have never met somebody who said, hallelujah, I am getting into a test. But that's exactly what God is asking us to do. He's saying, when you go through any kind of trial, Oh, leap for joy. Rejoice. Pastor, what are you saying? You're saying that I have to rejoice when you when I go through a test from the Lord. Yes, I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says every test you and I pass. The Bible says great is your reward in heaven. Hallelujah. When you and I go through a difficult test and we choose to humble down and we choose to love one another, we choose to love the person that's been mean to us. We choose to honor the person that's been hard to honor. We choose to forgive the person that has hurt us. And the Bible says, you have just won a reward and a blessing in heaven. Hallelujah. There is a great reward in passing every test that the Lord allows you and me to come through. Some people, you know, when we go through difficulties, some people come into a life and they're like Job's friends, you know, they come in and, and they want to find an explanation as to why we went through that. They want to tell you, you know, you went through that because of that situation or maybe because your father's sin or because of you did that. Or people like to attach a moral reasoning to every problem that comes in our lives. They like to say it's because of some sin or maybe a generational issue. Or some other reason they'd like to say. The fact, I want you to listen to this part very carefully. The fact is, whoever the person, be it a believer or be it an unbeliever, it really doesn't matter. A believer or unbeliever, everybody will go through the fiery furnace of tests. Everybody. So tests are not just or trials or, or problems or persecutions or they're not unique only to a believer. They are for all mankind. Why? Because problems are built into our system. Now, how many of you would say, I hate gravitational force. I hate gravity, you know. But the truth is, gravity builds our muscles. When scientists go up, astronauts fly into space, 
they have to constantly keep exercising their muscles because if they don't have exercise or they cycle up there or they do you know you know the more you know stable location they cycle and they do all kinds of different exercise because if their body does not keep on exercising there is no gravity to cause that exercise or friction that will cause strength toning to their muscles their muscles become flat so after spending a long time in space when they come back to earth and they are hardly able to stand if their muscles are not toned so what do problems do in a in a christian's life or an unbeliever's life problems toughen up the person in, in everyone's life but i want you to know that is why that problems are built into a system because we are all living in a fallen world in a fallen world the bible says the devil the lord of the air has brought many of us into a fallen situation to a fallen world and when we're in this fallen world we like to you know we we go through all kinds of problems so it really does not matter if you're a believer or you're an unbeliever i want you to know problems are there for everybody so if an unbeliever you'll ask the questions why am i going through this what is this problem coming to my life they begin to question their faith or they begin to accept their fate that's what an unbeliever does often they question their faith that they come from or they accept their fate but as a believer we also might have questions when we go through problems when our faith is under fire we also may have questions so we wonder why is this happening to me lord is there something you are you know that i did wrong is there something that i'm going through and i want you to know that the testing of your faith from the lord is not because of your sin many people like to say it's because of your sin it's because you did something wrong and i want you to know it is not because of your sin the wages of sin is death and the wages of sin is eternal punishment but the testing of our faith is not because of our sin the testing of our faith god is god other things built into the system of our christian growth and one of it is the testing of our faith you know when you go through an exam in your school it's not because you're a bad person neither is it because you're a good person or a bad student or a good student every student has to go through their testings but when they go through their testings it is to show them where they stand in their faith hallelujah it's also to bring them reward it's also to promote them it's also to trust them with greater things so tests are never a bad thing so in the life of a believer what is the lord up to how can a testing of our faith become a blessing let's look at some of the blessings of the testing of our faith when we go through a test i'm going to show you different seven different blessings that come upon our life when we are tested so don't look at a test when your faith is under fire when it looks like you're going through a difficult time do not look at a test as something that only the devil is throwing against you there is a test that comes from god and that test brings blessings upon your life the first thing that god is in the process of doing when you and i go through a test is that this test builds up our faith and our walk with god it brings a stability to our faith when many people come to christ they do not know the lord they do not know what the lord is going about what's going on in their lives what the lord has for them the good the lord has for them because they do not know all of this many many believers they they are unstable in their faith 
So some small problem or some challenge that comes to your life makes them shaky. And anything that goes well in their life, they say, oh, God is a good God. So the goodness of God somehow gets connected to answering every prayer of the believer. But that's not true. The Bible says, we just saw James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. We said, count it all joy, which means rejoice in every test. My brethren, when you meet trials of various kinds, different kinds of tests you're going through, count every one of those different kinds of tests as all joy. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So one of the first blessings of the testing of your faith is a stability or a steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So what does the testing of your faith do for you? It makes you a stable Christian. You don't get tossed around by every problem that comes your way. You don't get troubled by every situation that is coming into your life. You will become a stable person. Like Job said, though he slay me, yet I will love him. There will be a relationship that is built up between you and the Lord in such a powerful way that this relationship between you and the Lord will not get shaky because some problem has come your way. God wants you to become a stable person. So what's the process? The process is when you are tested, first, you will get built up. It's like gravity building your muscle. It's like a child learning to walk. Why do they fall and get up? Fall and get up. They're learning to stabilize their walk. Then they don't fall every time they get up. There is a stability about their walk. Then they begin to run. There's a stability about their running. Then they begin to play games like basketball or they throw their body around and yet they jump and they leap and yet there's a stability. So you begin to do things in your life and no matter what wind or wave comes your way, there comes a stability in your faith. This, the Bible says, it produces steadfastness and steadfastness having its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Which means when the testing of your faith comes, your steadfastness begins to grow more and more and you become a mature person, lacking no good thing. You lack nothing that is required for life and godliness. There is a maturity that comes in your life, a maturity you never saw before. I look back in my life and there are times in my life I have wanted to give up the faith. There are times I wanted to give up ministry. There are times I wanted to give up serving the Lord. It was so painful. I couldn't understand why people were so difficult, why they accused, why they lied, why they slandered, why they forgot us when we went through pain. I just couldn't understand. But when I begin to mature, I begin to stabilize in my faith. And I said, Lord, it is an honor to serve you, Lord. It's an honor to walk with you. Even though they forget me, it really doesn't matter because you will remember me and you will reward me in glory. So I want you to know the testing of your faith will bring about a stability. So God wants you to be the stable person. And God does not want you to be a shaky person. Many Christians, what they do is that when problems come to their life or challenges come, one of the first things they want to do is to quickly abandon their faith. Because the Bible says their faith is like the seed that fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air just come and they forgot about it. And some seed fell on the rocks. It grew very fast, but when the sun scorched, it just got burnt away. Some seed fell among the thorns. And some of those thorns were problems, persecutions, challenges. And many Christians, when they go through that kind of challenges, they're not able to stand strong. 
Where do you stand today? How are you doing in your test of faith? When you are being tested, are you able to praise God and say, God, I want to thank you for, for, for testing me so that I can know where I stand, so that I can build my spiritual muscles. I can exercise them every day. That I can grow to be a strong and stable person, full of the faith of God, that I will not be shaken by anything that comes their way. That I'll not abandon the faith. Acts 27 and verse 20, the Bible says, since neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small storm was assailing us, from then on, all hope of us being saved was gradually abandoned. You know, Paul was on the ship and, and the storm had hit them. They'd been tossed around and they had lost, the, you know, the ship was damaged. They didn't know what to do. And the Bible says they came to a place where people lost their hope. Many people abandoned hope. They abandoned their faith. They abandoned their walk with God when they go through challenges. No, we are not called to abandon their faith. Do you know the Bible says in the last days, many will abandon their faith because the love for God will grow cold. Where's your love for God today? Is your love for God because God has been answering prayer? Or is your love for God because you know in your heart that God has been your savior? He saved you. You've encountered the love of God. You know, in my life, in the year 2000, I encountered the love of God in such a deep way. After 10 years of walking with God and serving God, and I just knew that that was a turning point in my life. I just knew in my life from now on that it was now that I'm deciding no matter what happens, I'm going to walk with God because I encountered the love of God. Ask God for a love encounter. It will stabilize your faith. It will build your faith. You know, the more we exercise our faith, the more we will grow in God. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says, Like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to your salvation. If you're a newborn Christian, or if you're a young Christian, not very old, or if you're a shaky Christian, not very stable, the Bible says, Read the word of God, drink the milk or the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to your salvation. Salvation is not a one moment event. Salvation is something God wants you to grow in. Grow in your salvation. Grow. Salvation is God saving you, bringing you back into the kingdom of God. And now God is asking you, can you keep growing? Otherwise, many people will not you know, endure till the end for their salvation. Grow by drinking the milk of God's word. First Corinthians chapter three and verse two says, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you are not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able to receive it. What a tragedy to hear from Paul to the Corinthian church that he planted. He had grown the church and the people. And then he's saying, after all these years, I still gave you milk. I could not even teach you deeper things. Why? Because you constantly wanted milk from the word of God. You know, what is the milk of God's word? Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 and 2 talks about foundations. What is that? Teachings on grace, teachings on faith, teachings about baptisms, uh, you know, the doctrines of baptism, uh, the doctrine of baptisms, and then uh, resurrection from the dead, eternal judgment, and all these things, you know, godly order, laying on of hands, these are fundamental teachings. And Paul is telling them, I could not teach you deeper things because every week when you would come in, 
or every day you came in, I had to go back to the basics because somebody was discouraged, somebody was weak, somebody was tired. Because so I really could not teach you deeper things. And so the Lord is saying, the Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, I gave you milk, not food, yet you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able to receive it. So where do we stand as a church? Are we able to receive the food of God's word? Are we able to receive the meat of God's word, the strong meat? Or are we still drinking milk? Or are we not even drinking milk? Are we living on yesterdays? Are we fasting from spiritual growth? Are we fasting from spiritual food and feeling very down and out? Hebrews chapter 5, 13 says, For everyone who partakes of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. God is challenging us today. Let us drink the milk of God, God's word, but let us eat solid meat that we will become stable. We will grow from stability, come to full effect, be mature, perfect and complete, not lacking any good thing. What are some of the other things that God is doing in our life when we go through the testing of our faith, when we feel like faith is under fire? The second thing that God is doing in our life when we feel that the faith is under fire is that we begin to have a greater revelation of the character and the nature of the goodness of God. In the life of Jehoshaphat, in 2 Chronicles in chapter 20, the Bible says that some armies had come against Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And when there was a time, they all felt frightened because they were saying, Lord, what is going on? Are they going to destroy us? Are they going to kill us? Nations in those days constantly lived in the fear of being attacked by neighboring nations. But the Bible says Jehoshaphat prayed three prayers to God. He said, first thing he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, are you not the God who created the heavens and the earth? He looked back and asked the Lord, aren't you the creator of everything? Secondly, he said, Lord, did you not in the past when Israel, when we were attacked by nations or when we went through problems or when Egypt was against us, are you not the God who saved us and delivered us from all our troubles in those years? Are you not that God? And he looked back to the things that God had done in the past. But thirdly, he says, God, will you not do this for us one more time? He called on the past goodness of God upon Israel to believe God for a great and mighty deliverance in the present time. When you look at Moses' life, when you look at these great men of God, you see that they all saw the goodness of God. Psalm 136 and verse 1, the Bible says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his loving kindness is for everlasting. We begin to see how good God is, that he can be trusted, that he can, uh, he can, you know, be believed and trusted. And we begin to see the goodness of God. Miriam, when, when, when the Israelites had crossed through the Red Sea and Pharaoh and all his army were destroyed in the Red Sea, Miriam picked up the tambourine and she led the people in high praise. They say, look, you know what the Lord has done. The horse and the rider has thrown into the sea. They found a reason to praise God. They found a reason to worship God because they saw the goodness of God in their life. A third thing that God is doing in our life, after we having seen the goodness of God in our life, is that when we go through tests in our life, there is a testimony that God has given us that we can tell others. Hallelujah. When you pass a test with flying colors, you've gone through an exam and you pass that test with flying colors. Didn't you tell your loved ones 
Oh, by the grace of God, I've been able to get through that. Praise God, I finished that course. Praise God, I've, you know, I've done this and I've done that. A test always gives you an opportunity for a testimony. John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 27 says, And you will testify also. Because you've been with me from the beginning. Jesus was telling the, the disciples, you walked with me. You've seen the different tests, the miracles that happened. You saw the dead race, the blind sea, the lame walk. You saw the, you know, saw miracle after miracle, the bread multiplied. There is all your testimonies to tell others. So when you go through a test, the Bible says that test is God's opportunity for you to have a testimony in your life, unless you and I fail that test. Well, if we fail that test, no problem. God will let us go through that test again so that that becomes something easy for us to handle. You know, the many people that got healed in the Bible, they had to tell somebody. John's Gospel 12, verse 17. You see, the Bible says, and so the people who are with him, when they called Lazarus out of the tomb, they that, that he was raised from the dead. They saw that he was raised from the dead. The Bible says that that was a mighty miracle. What was Lazarus' story? In, in John's Gospel 11, you know the story Lazarus had died and Mary and Martha were his sisters. They were so close to Jesus. They lived in Bethany. They were heartbroken that their brother had died. They could not bear it. So when they come to Jesus, uh, you know, when Jesus was coming towards the house, he was four days late. They come running to him and they're weeping. Mother's weeping and they ask Jesus, Jesus, if you, you, you came late, you should have come earlier, Jesus. Why did you allow us to go through this? Jesus looked at them and said, do you believe in the resurrection? And Martha said, yes, I know on the day of resurrection, he will resurrect from the dead. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. The resurrection himself has come into your life. This is not a, just a miracle that has come in. God, who is the resurrection himself. Is coming to your life. No matter what your circumstance, God is able to resurrect that circumstance and He can make something beautiful about your dead situation, which seems four days dead. It looks irreversible. It looks like it cannot go back. God is saying, I can bring it back. So, what is the Lord doing today in your life? Like Lazarus, Jesus went there and he went to move the stone. They said, don't move it because it will be stinking. He said, remove the stone. And they moved it. And he said, Lazarus, come forth. A test gives God an opportunity to bring the circumstance back into your life. That if God is willing to raise that situation back from the dead, he'll give you another opportunity like Lazarus, that he can be a testimony. What, did, what happened when Lazarus came forth? Of course, Lazarus died again. Of course, that was not a permanent miracle because God wants us to live on with him in eternity. But what happened? It says in John 7, 12, 17, all the people that were with him, when they called Lazarus, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, they continued to testify about Jesus. Hallelujah. When God does that kind of a miracle for us, it gives us an opportunity to testify. Small or great, it's an opportunity to testify about Jesus. That is one of the things that happens to you when your faith is under fire. Are you testifying about the wonderful things God did for you? Are you testifying about the precious things that God has done in your life? I want you to know God is a faithful God and he will give you enough reasons to testify. Another thing that God does in your life is that he begins to transform your character and my character. 
When we go through test, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, when we behold him as in a mirror, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory. As we look at him, we begin to become more like him. What does a test do? It reveals what we really look like, what our nature really like, whether our ego is really big, whether our pride is very big, it just allows us to see that. And then when we go broken into the presence of God, God, I failed again. Lord, I just wish I had not gone through that. And God says, let's do that test again. It gives us an opportunity to behold Jesus, to see what he's like. And when we go back to the word of God, like a mirror, and we see our nature, and we see it's not aligning with the word of God, it gives us an opportunity to decide, I am going to humble myself. I am going to not behave like I used to behave. I'm going to change the way I live. I'm going to change the way I behave. And I'm going to allow God to transform my character. The test really reveals our true nature. The kingdom of God is not for lazy, shallow people. It's for people who are willing to take that test. You know, in Peter's life, Peter failed that test. Peter was broken. Peter was lost. Peter didn't know how to do. He told, I will never deny you, Jesus. But Jesus looked at him and said, you're going to deny me before the cock crows. You know, and he denied him three times. That broken Peter came weeping into the presence of God. And there it revealed his character that he made big promises that he could not keep. But when he talked with Jesus and walked with Jesus, Jesus brought him back again. And that began to touch and bless his life in a powerful way. If you are like a Peter, I want you to know Jesus is going to build your character. Another thing that Jesus does in your life and my life when we are being tested is that we see that God works all things together for good for them that love God. We begin to see how God can take a broken circumstance and he can turn it around for good. You know Romans 8, 28. For, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Some circumstances in your life, they don't work for good. And you wonder, well, how, what, what did happen to that? But I want you to know, every circumstance in our life does not work separately or individually for good, but they work together for good. When it comes together, when God puts all of it together, we see that it works together for good. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Conduct yourself with wisdom towards you know, outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because some opportunities, they don't look like they have been fruitful. Other opportunities have been fruitful. And some of them, when they put together only, make the most of every opportunity. You know, in Joseph's life, when he was 13 years in prison, it just couldn't make sense. So many years of his life were lost. But finally, when God made him the governor of Egypt, when he became the prince of the land and God lifted him up, he brought his whole family. And because of that, they survived the famine. And because of that, they grew and became a great multitude. Because of that, they were blessed with great sheep and a tremendous amount of blessing. Because of that, they became a great nation. And God brought them out and made them the wonderful nation of Israel. I want you to know that all things work together for good for them that love God. And that is a purpose of God in your life. Another thing that happens in a believer's life when we go through tests, when our faith is under fire and we feel, why Lord am I going through this? Is that God says, I want to turn the circumstance to manifest the glory of God to an unbelieving world. 
The unbelievers are watching the believer's life. And so many believers, when troubles happen in our life, we don't know the difference between, the people don't know the difference between a believer or an unbeliever. They really don't know who's a believer, who's an unbeliever, because our lives seem to be the same. Trouble in life is not a payback for sin. God is not punishing you. You remember the story in John's Gospel, chapter 9, there was a blind man. And when the disciples saw the blind man, they asked Jesus, whose sin is this, Lord? Is it his sin that he's blind? Is it his father's sin that he's blind? And Jesus said, it's neither his sin nor his father's sin. Jesus says, this is for the glory of God. And Jesus touches him and heals him. And that begins to bring glory to God. There are many people that have gone through brokenness and difficult circumstances in their life. And they have not had respite. They have not seen some have been born without hands and legs. But you know the story of some of these great people, how they fought every odd. And today they chose that their life can become a blessing to many other people. So God wants to bring about glory. Mark's Gospel chapter 7, verse 31 to 37. The Bible talks about the story about a man who was a deaf mute. And Jesus goes and touches him and, uh, and heals his deafness and his dumb uh, tongue that could not speak. And Jesus said, open, be open. And he was healed. And when he was healed, he ordered everybody, do not go and tell anybody about this miracle. But the more they, he told them, the more they went and told everybody. And the land, people in the land were utterly as astonished that he had done an outstanding miracle. I want you to know, when, when this brings glory to God, when miracles like this happen, the unbelieving world will be amazed at the goodness of God. People of God, count it pure joy because your tests are going to bring glory to God. Through your life, there'll be great glory to God. Seventhly, the, the seventh thing that God does in your life and my life when we go through all kinds of tests is that testing becomes a prerequisite for God trusting you with greater things in your life. When a child passes a grade, he's trusted with another grade. When he passes one class, he's trusted with another class. This is what the Lord does in your life and in my life. In Abraham and Isaac's story in Genesis 22, you know, Abraham took Isaac up the mountain, Mount Moriah, to sacrifice him up the mountain. But when he reached over there, you know, he, was, he tied up Isaac up and he was going to sacrifice him. Suddenly an angel of the Lord stood there and said, don't sacrifice him. For the Lord has seen your obedience. God saw the heart of Abraham and then tells him something powerful and blesses him. He says, Abraham, I want you to know, because you have not held back your son, yea, your only son, and you are willing to sacrifice him. Therefore, number one, your enemies shall bow down at your gate. No enemy nation will be able to stand up against you. That was a blessing to Abraham and their generations. Hallelujah. No enemy nation can stand up against you. Secondly, he says, the covenant shall go through Isaac because you are willing to sacrifice him. Thirdly, Abraham on top of Mount Moriah saw prophetically what God was going to do by sending his own son, Jesus, for the sins of the whole world. It was on that Mount Moriah Many years, 2,000 years later, that Jesus was going to die on a cross on Mount Moriah. Abraham saw what God was going to do. So the testing of your faith is a prerequisite to trust him. God will never trust 
what he's not tested. You might under, ask, really? Indeed, even Jesus was not trusted with the work of the ministry for the three and a half years until he was tested in the wilderness with the same three testings that Adam and Eve went through. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. This pressure that we go through actually determines how God will test us with things. You know, God was, every testing is not a demonic activity. Many of them are God building our spiritual muscles and then saying, all right, you're good enough for this. Now let's get into the next test. You're good enough for this. Let's do the next exercise. Hallelujah. The life of a citizen of the kingdom, a child of God, is replete or filled with tests that he has so that he can walk with God, that he can grow in the Lord so that he can be trusted with a new work of God in his life. Most of the Bible has people who went through trouble. Joseph in prison with Potiphar's wife with all those problems. Look at David, 10 years of running from Saul. Look at Paul. He was persecuted, beaten, all of that. Look at Peter, almost lost his life many times. Look at all these great people of God. They all had tests. So what is the value? Is there any value of being tested like this? Indeed. It's like asking, is there a value for an examination? Absolutely. At least we will study. Some of us who've been last minute students, who sit in the last moment and, and mug up and study, we study because there's a test. If there's no test, I don't think you would be studying. Uh, uh, not most of us. Maybe some people would do. So what's the value of the test? Firstly, it is the most powerful thing that you can possess in your life is your faith. And the only thing that threatens the devil. So when you grow in the faith, that just threatens the devil. You become strong. You get built up. Your faith is the conviction of the beliefs that you have in your life. So what does God do with your faith? It builds your confidence. You become a very confident person because you're walking with God. Like David, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that stands against the armies of the living God? Whole army didn't have faith. One little David with a sling and a stone had greater faith than the whole army of Israel. It builds your faith, makes you confident. Your faith also makes you ready for the next test. It makes you ready for the encounters. A bear, lion, king, he was ready for it. David was ready. The evidence of our faith is only shown in the test that it goes through. Are we going to cry through the whole test, weep and wail? Or are we going to demonstrate the evidence of our faith, that we have faith? You know, we're not interested. You know, people are not interested in our bragging about God. People are interested in seeing the evidence of our faith. What kind of faith we have? Will our faith fall off when everything goes wrong? Our faith is only as strong as the test that it can survive. And that is the truth. That's why in James 1 said, when you're being tested, rejoice. Rejoice when all kinds of problems are coming. Amazing. Who would tell us to rejoice when you're tested? Because when we stand a test, when we survive that test, when that faith it's not shaken by fire. That is a faith being purified by fire. That's a fireproofed uniform that we are wearing. A fireproofed faith that it cannot touch that faith. The source of our faith, when it comes from God, it begins to bring great glory to God. So let's look at the source of our faith. A fireproofed faith. The source of our faith is very important. When our faith fails... It's because the source of our faith is not in God. If you put your faith in your pastor, when your pastor fails, your faith will fail. You put your faith in your miracles that you got, 
when the next time a miracle does not happen, your faith will fail. When you look, put your faith in the financial provision that God gave you. The next time your financial provision doesn't come, your faith will fail. My question for you today is what makes your faith fail? The object of your faith will determine the stability of your faith. What you put your faith on. If you put your faith on, you know, shakeable things, then your faith will go down. Your faith will be broken. Is your faith put on material things? Is your faith put on healing or miracles? Is your faith put on your pastors or leaders or doctors? Or is your faith put on your money? God wants you to know that God wants you to put your faith on God. You've got to know God for yourself. The more you know God, the bigger your faith becomes. Your faith actually is only as secure as what your faith is put in. Whether your faith is put in, the object of your faith is so important. So you be stable, trust God, walk with God. Don't allow your faith to be put on the fish, the, the miracle that Peter got, or, 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 the, or the healing miracle that the blind man got, any of that. Those are all temporary things. They will come and they will go. Put your faith in God. Jesus said, Jesus did many things. He multiplied the fish. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He stopped the storms. He did all of that. But at the end of everything, he said, put your faith in God. Don't put your faith in anything else. On this planet, we have to fight to stand strong in our faith. Be fireproofed in our faith. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And so be fireproofed in our faith. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. You thought you were fighting the devil in every circumstance? Not really. You were actually fighting the fire that brings you forth as gold. That fire is from God. The fire of the devil is to kill you. The fire from God is to purify you. You might say, I lost everything. I lost everyone, but I still believe. When you go through that fire, you will say, I still am walking. I'm, when I walk through the fire, it will not burn me. When I walk through the water, it will not swallow me. I still believe. So you will not lose anything in your life if you lost finance or, or lost a job or lost any of those things. But if you lose your faith, you actually have lost everything in your life because it's going to affect your eternity. Your faith confession is going to be tested. Anything you say will be tested. Peter said, Jesus, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Peter said, uh, you know, I, I, and I'm going to stand by you. Jesus would have probably gone, oh, you just said it. You're going to be tested on that. Let's fireproof that. And then a young maid girl standing there outside the high priest's house courts looked at him and said, aren't you one of those Galileans? He said, I'm not any one of them. And he even cursed and he said, I don't even know this Jesus. Anything you confess will be tested. You confess your faith, that will be tested. Why? Because God wants to fireproof you. He wants to make you come forth as gold. God will speak to you privately, but God will test you publicly. God will bring you to a place that he will have. He will have everything about that tested because God wants to bring forth as gold. You know, in, in every circumstance, I want you to be strong. Your, your confession will get you there. Your mouth will get you there. And so be, God wants to test you and then he wants to trust you. So God's greatest purpose in the test is to trust you. The bigger the test, the greater is going to be what God is going to trust you with. So don't be impressed by people who say, you know, I've not had problems in life. God kept me. If you've not had problems in life, 
You've not really stepped out to be in a place where you can be trusted. When a child walks and he fails and he falls and he does all of that, don't be afraid. That child's going to get up and he's going to run. You can have faith in the middle of your bankruptcy, in the middle of your problems, in the middle of a sickness, in the middle of a challenging situation. Don't put your faith in all the other human things. Put your faith in God. When God turns your miracle, gives you a miracle, don't even put your faith in that. Put your faith in God because miracles are temporary. God is eternal. Those miracles may never repeat again. Faith, even in your persecution, when you go through all kinds of challenges, I want you to know they may lay hands on you. They may persecute you. They may take your life. Put your faith in God because when you die, like a seed, you'll go back again and then you will come forth. You will shine for the Lord. You'll be fireproof. So the next time you go into a fire, I want you to know, Come out of that fire, strong and fireproofed, and you will say, I still believe, I still believe, I still believe. And you will be raised up on that day with great reward. God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. So be fireproofed, firefighter, when your faith is under fire and the world will be a better place because we got a firefighter in our midst. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.